Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is sponsored by Epsilon. Today, I'm delighted to announce a unique opportunity for one lucky listener of Let's Talk Loyalty to enjoy a complimentary workshop with the loyalty experts at Epsilon. One brand every month will have the chance for a unique, independent loyalty lab, a review of your loyalty program, where Epsilon will share their expert ideas how to drive your program's performance to a whole new level. This workshop is a powerful way for you to measure and then increase the return on your investment in your loyalty program. So to apply, head over to letstalkloyalty.com forward slash epsilon and enter your details. Hello and welcome to episode 279 featuring Ralph Browning who recently joined our friends in Epsilon as their business development director in the EMEA region. Ralph has been building loyalty programs and propositions for over 20 years. And he joins me today to share some of the latest fascinating case studies and trends that he's seeing in our industry. In our discussion, Ralph showcases some exciting ideas that have been launched recently by some of Epsilon's clients. For example, we discuss the latest innovation in FMCG loyalty, with Kellogg's as one iconic industry leader that's creating compelling new concepts to connect with their end customers. Ralph also shares the strategies he believes are important to drive loyalty in 2022, and the increasing importance of connecting with customers in meaningful ways to drive your brand loyalty. So, Ralph, welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. Nice to be here. Looking forward to it. It's wonderful. Have you done a podcast before, Ralph? No. Hopefully that won't be too apparent, but no, I haven't, no. Okay. Well, it's wonderful to have you. As you know, I've done some wonderful interviews with various different Epsilon people over the last couple of years. So, fantastic to be working with you guys. Um, And let's get started. So, as you know, Ralph, first of all, I always love to get straight into understanding what you as a loyalty professional uh, really, I suppose, admire in the world of loyalty marketing. So, please do tell our listeners what is your favorite loyalty program. Okay. So, um, as as we discussed over previously, it's a kind of a difficult one, like you know, choosing your favorite movie or your favorite song, whatever. So, I thought about things like uh, Boots Advantage, you know, Starbucks, Nike. I kind of like the the North Face one is really kind of interesting. But I ended up landing on um, the Etihad Guest Program, um, not only because it's, I think it's basically one of the best frequent program um, frequent flyer programs um, out there, but because I was kind of very much involved in the creation and design of the program way way back. Where mm-hmm. Etihad was only like a, a year or two old and had like about like half a dozen a dozen aircraft. Um, so it made it kind of very interesting because it was a sort of very rare opportunity to start with sort of like a blank piece of paper and yeah. build sort of like a better FFP from the ground up because we had, you know, we, we were new, 
you know, challenger brand, you know, Emirates was already very well established. And we had to kind of do something kind of new and kind of different. So that's yeah. very interesting. I mean, in, uh, previous to that, I had worked in Europe with um, uh, Scandinavian Airlines and BA and KLM. So I kind of knew the areas that, uh, you know, members didn't really like and wasn't weren't really working. So that was a good opportunity to start with. And yeah. also the, uh, the client at the time, Peter Baumgartner, who ended up being CEO, he was head of loyalty at that time. So he was, he was similar kind of, you know, let's kind of like do something kind of really different. So um, so the kind of things we liked about it, um, you know, it's the whole idea of like the, the Etihad guest. At that time, the idea of calling somebody a guest as opposed to a passenger was like new. And yeah. it was all built around the kind of like the idea of the Etihad Airways was built around the whole idea of Arabic hospitality as being very much part of the brand. So it's a mm. great example, I think, of like, you know, a brand being very close to the program, being very close to the brand. So it talks about the guest. So there was, yeah, for the get-go, there was the idea of like making sure that the cabin crew were aware of member status. And yeah, that was all part of the kind of passenger manifest. So we kind of made it do that. And then in terms of the actual program itself, you know, things which are kind of fairly common now, but things like, um, you know, um, no blackouts, um, you know, getting point, uh, uh, you could redeem with one point, um, very flexible sort of expiry, reward choice. So you could kind of like, you know, go there and go and use the reward shop. They were all based around things that we knew that kind of our members didn't like. So it's like great to do that. And I think, you know, the programs continue to evolve around that. I mean, even today, it's quite interesting. I haven't flown for a long time because I haven't been in the Middle East, but I'm still getting emails saying, you know, you have these points that are about to expire. Do you want to like get a mug or do you want to do this, that, this, that, and the other. And the whole idea of kind of like, you know, rather than talking about breakage, but trying to get people to be very much involved in the program and taking advantage of it. So yeah, that's that's my favorite program. Wonderful. Well, I can hear, first of all, I suppose, Ralph, your love of loyalty coming through in that kind of explanation. So I think it's one thing to have a great understanding of what customers are asking for, but to have, as you said, uh, a total blank sheet of paper to have permission then to create something that actually the members will love. Um, I think it sounds like it gave you a love of our whole industry. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, yes. I mean, it was kind of, yeah, I don't think I had that many uh, as good of opportunities as I say was that. But yeah, it was kind of like really good to be able to kind of you know, do something kind of different and, um, you know, change the way things are done. Let's say like, you know, very much now, uh, a lot of those kind of stuff I've mentioned is kind of like now, you know, everybody, everybody you know, talks about guests and, you know, yeah. a lot of things that didn't like, because back in those days, you know, it was like you had like really high thresholds and you had these weird tables about how many points you got um based yeah. on where you traveled and, and it was kind of quite complicated to work out what was going on and then and then you'd find out it was blacked out anyway but now it's all kind of very flexible and very transparent which is which is great um for sure yeah and I, i'm sure you know most people listening would be very clear in terms of airline loyalty and i guess hotel loyalty are perhaps some of the the most mature sectors i would say in terms of you know where these programs have originated from you know how much attention how much investment they've got and clearly they're evolving hugely as well but i think i'm most interested particularly now ralph in the direction that you're going i know you're relatively new on the business development side for Epsilon, but you mentioned a couple of very interesting sectors to me um, when we met last met in terms of, you know, starting, for example, to go into, say, beauty brands, um, huge retail, of course, I know airports and most excitingly, I guess, from my perspective, FMCG. So I thought we would talk a bit about, I suppose, which of those sectors do you, I suppose, enjoy working with, see opportunities with? 
And what kind of, I suppose, requirements are these kind of sectors coming to you with um, to explore, I suppose, customer loyalty? Right, right. That's a a, huge uh, question. (laughs) Huge question, yeah. So um, in no particular order, I mean, I've kind of worked with FMCG on and off for kind of quite a while, that things like Huggies Clubs back in the day, whatever. But now the interesting thing I think now is um, the drive that FMCG companies have for more like first party data. Okay. To basically um, build a direct relationship with a with a customer. Now, at one stage, that was you know from operational perspective, you know you had to kind of like print little codes inside boxes and you know input them manually, whatever. But uh, and that was a sort of like a bit clunky. And now you can uh, till receipt scanning is like you know fantastically sophisticated these days and very simple to use using the mobile phone. Yeah. Kind of opens up you know huge opportunities and. Um, you know, one of the programs I particularly admire is, and it's not just because it's an Epsilon one, is uh, the Kellogg's Family Rewards. And what is particularly interesting about that is because we, we'd be running a kind of what we'd consider probably like a traditional program where you'd like, you know, you would collect points yeah, via mm. um, codes with inside, you know, boxes or whatever. And that okay. was kind of really good and it was successful and it was attracting like those people who are interested in uh, the coupon cutters, as they say, in the States. Sure. Um, but there was an yeah, they kind of wanted to kind of change things and move things along. So it was like a very big um, sort of strategic review. And the importance of first party data was like identified as like a key objective. Okay. Um, you know, rather than, oh, let's just throw out a loyalty program. It's like, what actually we're really, really trying to achieve here. And once you actually say we're interested in first party data, then it means like we want to have as many members as possible. Therefore, we want to make it incredibly simple and easy and also have kind of benefits very quickly. So they, Basically, the, the program is redesigned to basically based around tokens. Um, so you can earn tokens just by, by spending, but also by liking, by referring a friend, by doing gamification, whatever. And you only really need to get five in a month, which is relatively straightforward. Yeah. And from there, the, then you got within a monthly basis, you got some kind of reward. Now that was entry to a sweepstake, or you could save up and get a little bit of merchandise, or you get a sort of deal in a discount from you know, um, from partners uh, in particular. So uh, like you get months free uh, access to sort of like a streaming service, or you know, money off kind of say in a in a, uh, a you know, pizzeria or that kind of stuff. So it wasn't just about the um, you know buying like Kellogg's food, uh, basic products. Yeah, so it's yeah. a key thing area. But the idea was like, well, that wasn't really, and that was an important thing, obviously, but and has been very successful in that kind of area. But it's fundamental about getting like many people involved as possible. Uh, and also learning enough about customers. So using the till receipt stuff, um, you can then see where, when people are buying, what shops they're buying from, and also uh, what else they're buying as well. So it gives you a much broader view to mm. such an extent that now, you know, if you're doing that kind of stuff as an FMCG company, you can basically like use that data when you're in discussion with um, uh, retailers or basically had the whip hand for many years. So I think that's kind of like really interesting how you can sort of move that forward. And still within all that, maintain the uh, a model whereby you can save your points and you can get free merchandise as well. So I think that's a lot of the programs we're talking about and discuss, discussing designer are a bit more about that token basis mm-hmm. and the instant gratification mm-hmm. than they are about, you know, saving up for like six months to a year before you get like a big reward, which I think is um, interesting. And the uh, and the, the the way that gamification has kind of like exploded. Yeah. Is very interesting. Yeah. And, and also moving away and moving away from sort of like, you know, you know, because people say, show me the money kind of thing. You know, it's not just a game. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier on so, uh, about the uh, 
beauty and, and sort of like fashion brands and cosmetic brands. So we are, you know, developing little kind of games which says, you know, which makeup do you think the model looks best or what's the best kind of like, you know, can you guess what it is? Can you guess what blusher, what kind of thing you would use? What we'd wear a particular time of the day, and yeah. that not only is like entertaining and well, entertaining to earn points, but also kind of it's very interesting in terms of um, learning more about a customer, and also mm. the customer learning more about how the brand works and what how the kind of products work. So it's kind of that's a very you know it's a moving gamification to more not yeah. only just entertainment, being like a real business driver. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the sort of interesting interesting part of that, and also in that area is moving towards things like NFTs as an interesting little way of giving uh, a privileged access and exclusivity. So we're like, you know, so you can have one, and some NFT, you can get them for like a few dollars these days, but the particular, if you, you know, if it's a celebrity driven um, cosmetic brand, shall we say, then you can actually get like pictures or, you know, you know uh, of the actual person and you're the only one who's got it kind of thing. So I think that's a nice, clever idea. And, and it's yeah. almost like a lot of things. And it's a bit like, you know, back in the day when you get a signed photograph when you joined a club or something. So it's totally. the same thing, but using technology. So that's... <laughs> Well, you're you're absolutely right, Ralph. I have to say, just to go back to the Kellogg's Rewards program that you mentioned there, um, I'd realized uh, just from our previous discussion that they'd moved away from points, and with the, I suppose, clarity of understanding that you that you shared, that they were super clear about the importance and value of first party data. I think that's brilliant to to see that they've actually gone a different direction. Well, what I really love actually that you mentioned is it's not just purchase transactions. So you mentioned, for example, referrals. Um, it, it sounds like social media mentions. So the, the actual engagements or the qualifying behavior, let's say that Kellogg's uh, have identified and are rewarding um, in order to give people whatever the rewards might be. But it's not just uh, buying Kellogg's products by the sound of it. No, no, it, there are things like, you know, um, recipe ideas, following a recipe, checking a recipe, sending that, what you can do with kind of like strange, cool. uh, well, it, right, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I think Nutella are doing something quite interesting in that as well about how many, I mean, it's, that's a different program, but how many yeah. different ways you can use Nutella and how many different kind of recipes <laughs> and, yeah. and then it kind of moves on to the whole communities idea which I think okay. is another interesting, very interesting um, development. It's like, so rather than, you know, not tips and advice from the um, the brand itself, but actually setting up forums so people can discuss their have a love of a brand, and therefore you can like drag on, you know, get out the advocates who really love a brand, whatever. Uh, yeah. And also issues around a brand in terms of like if there's a um, not a problem necessarily, but you know, for example, if you talk about skincare, people have different skincare issues, and then you can set up a group of people, like-minded individuals, to discuss how they found the solution it wouldn't so it's not really like tied exactly to the brand it's it's kind of i kind of look at it like you know you you have a village hall you you set up a uh, tea urn in the corner and find a few biscuits whatever and let people just talk and do their own stuff in there um mm. and then that's is in terms of like an engagement device which i think engage emotional engagement is like the really key thing i think in loyalty which is a lot of brands struggle with because it's not quite as easy as some of the other areas and that's communities is very particularly so and again if you've got like a celebrity brand or or a brand which is built around a particular lifestyle way of you know like a love of you know uh, italy shall we say or a particular kind of lifestyle i think like north face do something some great stuff about you can earn points just for sort of like 
showing the fact you're on top of like yeah, Yosemite Valley. And if you kind of like log in on the top of some massive cliff, cliff face, you get points and stuff. So again, it's, <laughs> I don't know, I think how many people where North Face do that kind of stuff, but it kind of reinforces the yeah. brand as being adventurous. And it's like really cool little, like, little idea. Um, yeah. So I think that's that community. So I think, yeah, the clever gamification and like the community side is where the, I think programs are uh, definitely moving in that direction. That's kind of really interesting way of doing it. I, I definitely agree, Ralph. Um, the only one that I've really seen doing it well, and if you've any others to add, I would definitely be intrigued to hear. Um, but I do feel it's quite early in that community space. But the one yes. that I do know was was building it was IKEA. Um, so yeah. again, this was kind of a couple of years ago. You know, we we had um, the IKEA loyalty uh, manager on the show, and I, I I agree with your insight, Ralph, in that it's not just you know wanting to interact with the brand or dare I say it, you know, the the member responding back, which as we all know was the the holy grail of social media. But this idea of facilitating a discussion between people who have similar interests, similar ideas, similar needs. And I think we talked about, you know, mother and baby clubs, for example. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's it's clear, like to me as a podcaster, Ralph, what I do is I find myself, you know, talking to people clearly I wouldn't have ever met. But because we're all podcasters, we're in Facebook groups, for example, and we're we're answering each other's issues and problems purely because we understand each other. And I do think that that's where loyalty programs need to go in terms of the, the overall direction, you know, and building that emotional loyalty that you talked about. Yeah, because I think um, an interesting example, um, Walgreens in the US, which again is a kind of was it, you know standard, you know, you you buy pharmaceutical products or whatever, whatever, and you you earn points. But they've set up like communities. The obvious, you know, there's a beauty community, but there's also stuff about you know wellness and fitness and but not for like you know gym bunnies or whatever or like buff it but like how do you you know over 50s sort of group and i think again people are if you're yeah. talking to people who think you're your friend or a bit like you you're more likely to open up and discuss things and then you kind of engage and then it's yeah. not, you know, have a little bit of product pl- placement in there shall we say and but yeah and then they you know, moved on to things like dealing with alzheimer's and you know uh, and yeah, expanding out into yeah uh, and then they kind of pull it back into loyalty things so they, they, therefore you know if you you know eat you get certain kind of diet products you earn extra points or if you commit to doing certain like walks or certain kind of like amount of like you know walking for hunting you know, whatever it's ten thousand paces a day or something you earn yeah. additional points so it kind of makes the brand not something you go there to kind of get neurofen from or buy nappies or something it brings it means it's more important part of your life and it's not the brand and the, the brand can set that up and it's sort of like you know that's like a flywheel it's sort of like you can see you go into these sites and you can see people chatting and you've got adv- you've got advocates in there and who really love the brand and they, but it's not it's not that commercial it's a bit more subtle i think and that's helps with the engagement they say very much and i think you know mothers and babies was in the yeah and students is another one but i think it's kind of moving out even further and i think certain supermarkets are moving into like you know food yeah what vegetables veganism you know that, oh, you know those communities which are sort of like hosted um and not just the obvious subjects, so we say. 
Well, that's true. And I guess, you know, given that there's so many of us now just living our lives online, you know, there is, you know, going to be um, enough of scale, I would say, within practically any one of those communities. So what might start as a niche, you know, for example, vegetarianism or veganism might be a tiny interest from a grocer's perspective initially, but definitely, you know, as those kind of trends grow, those communities then kind of, I think they educate each other. And also, you know, it is so it's education and but it's also interesting, I think, for loyalty professionals, Ralph, exactly what you're kind of identifying. I actually did have boots on the show as well recently. And of course, an iconic, you know, UK brand, same sector as Walgreens um, and Boots is investing significantly in content, which I can hear that Walgreens are doing as well. So, you know, to help people understand whether it's, you know, illness or wellness, I guess, you know, there's both sides of the spectrum. But I do love that there are more and more, you know, programs that are starting to say, actually, no, we do need more of that depth in order to create, again, emotional loyalty. It's not just the purchase transaction that's going to keep people coming into our stores. Yeah, exactly. And the odd thing is kind of going full circle is they are very good at actually acquiring new customers because the community becomes a bit, the community is not directly related to like buying something so friends can say oh, you can join you know, join the walgreens blah blah or their kia whatever and then you kind of think oh well this is came from, and then you you know always backward you don't join the spend join the program join the community you kind of have a reversal thing when you go down the go down the yeah. other way which is like um very interesting it, way of doing it and as you point you mentioned their content it was you know one of one of the as a loyalty, you know, loyalty program practitioners, particularly certain brands, we've got, you know, we all know that, you know, something I can't remember, like 67% of brands could disappear and nobody would know. And they're very <laughs> important to us because we, uh, we're yeah. working with them. But yet, so if, if it's a low interest brand or um, a low, uh, very low frequency, then it's diff- you know, where's the content come from? Um, and I think, uh, so jumping around a bit, like, uh, for example, Procter and Gamble, they have programs, you know, that, Nobody's really that excited about cleaning products, whatever. But they then link their program to safe water, yeah. causal marketing. So I think so. If you spend basically buy their Procter and Gamble products, they all the same contribution that goes towards like water. So I think that you know, so it's I'm doing a good thing as well as I'm buying some stuff. And I think it's like a very clever idea, you know, to bring yeah. a partner on board like that, and not just that. I mean, they will, you know, we'll you can donate your points to charity. That's a, that's a nice thing to do. But they've kind of made it part and parcel of this sort of program which i think is a clever yeah. idea to actually put part i uh, put a partner right in the middle of everything you're doing um but also nice one th- th- that align aligns with their own product's purpose you know yes, as yeah. you said yeah so so there is you know that clarity and consistency that i think <laughs> members they probably really get it then when there is something that actually is is so complementary that makes such logical yeah. sense, you know, because as you said, cleaning products with the best will in the world, even if you give me, you know, a load of points, we all know there is a certain amount of, let's say, fatigue around pure points-based programs. So I do think whether it's charity or community or content, all the C's are coming out now. I can, yeah. <laughs> I can yeah. see a PowerPoint emerging, yeah. but it sounds like that's what you're hearing from your clients as well, that they realize that the loyalty program not just a points engine, it needs to be more intelligent and I, I guess more connected with the consumer's lifestyle in a, in a bigger way. Yes, because I think the, one of the 
the, the problems I think with, with with many loyalty programs is people it's a bit of a tick box thing. So we'll kind of like you know you spend a buck or a euro or a pound or whatever, and you get points, and you get ten, you get something in return, and you kind of throw it out there uh, and expect it to really work, but it's not really that connected. It's difficult to kind of get the content, the engagement in there if you just that's all there is. And yeah. also, it doesn't really link in with the brand. They say earlier on, it's kind of nothing I bang on about a bit too much. Is you know, the Etihad Guest Program? It's all about being a guest. You mentioned boots. I remember boots. You know, back in the back in the day, it's kind of the proposition was buy lots of you know buy lots of like boring stuff, you know, stuff you have to buy, and then treat yourself with some aromatherapy or some nice you know like something for the bath or something or some so that was that that was the kind of proposition then you know tesco every little bit helps and that png so the idea of having like a like a like a, uh, a customer proposition which is linked to the brand and you can build things out of rather than oh it's just a points program yeah and, and but put the points program out it's kind of quite simple and then people say oh, it's not really working nobody's joining or they're joining and they're not doing anything yeah um You've got to, you know, the whole, uh, yeah, if you build it, they will come. Isn't the case. You know, you've got to really yeah. you can build it. You can get the tech there. You can do the financial modeling, but you really need to work hard. Yeah. Whether it's through gamifications or putting a cause in there or have a really strong point of view or a community or something. You know, yeah. it's got to, something exciting just to kind of keep it sort of going on. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And I remember, again, running programs myself, Ralph, as you know, I was kind of more in the telecom side. But, yes. you know, there was there was so much kind of excitement when we had the TV campaigns, when it was above the line, when the board was really kind of prioritizing loyalty as the, the big, you know, dare I say it, you know, panacea um, for all kind of issues in terms of churn. So the solution, you know, at certain times in the evolution of the company would be seen as loyalty is going to really make a dramatic difference to the business. But then after two or three years, for example, maybe the engagement would be dropping off or the, you know, awareness or whatever. And it was always difficult for, you know, me certainly as a loyalty professional to keep the, the senior leadership team, you know, believing in the power of loyalty. And perhaps, you know, we maybe weren't evolving the program enough. You know, I do think there is a cycle that programs go through um and maybe it's directly related yeah. to the uh, the the advertising spend but would you say that that's your experience as well with your kind of yeah. clients yes it's interesting you mentioned because i telecoms i work with um sort of belga com in belgium and uh few um, sort of brands in the, in the middle east and the, and a lot a lot of them you know we're kind of like you, know, you get money off you'd get money off your um tariff shall we say or get free airtime which is sort of like great for you know for the low level kind of spenders but it wasn't really that engaging so yeah like introducing partner awards around like you know travel or things and getting people a little bit more excited around yeah. that introducing partner earn in shops and that kind of stuff so just like make it more important because most people you know you maybe have an apple phone or when nokia whatever it was back in the day but yeah. who your carrier is was not really that i'm sure he's it's not really that exciting as long as it doesn't go wrong yeah. Um, you know, as long as you don't get bad, you know, uh, some, you know, as long as it works and you don't get some problem with billing, you don't really care that much. So it's that, you know, totally. trying to get people engaged and exciting, excited in what you're, in, in what you're utilities doing. In, in, particularly. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I, I remember you told me a wonderful, um, I mean, it seems small, but it obviously had a great impact, Ralph, on you. Um, and this was your home base reward. Um, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so, so yeah, so back in the day, I worked at home, yeah, home based spend and save, and I used to do a lot of like 
very poor quality DIY, as my wife used to say. <laughs> um, but I'm still uh, enthusiastic. But yeah, then one of the rewards is I um, I actually got like a a, a plant, a rubber plant, a rubber yeah, you know, a plant, so it's like a rubber tree sort of thing, which is only like about eight. I can find it here now. Yeah, so only about like about 12, 12 inches high, shall we say? But yeah. I've always had that ever since, and that was like about God knows how many years ago. Um, that's a reward. Growing and growing, and it's always there yeah. as a remember as a re- reminder. Um, and as I talked about clients, who's that story? Because like you know, you forget about a cashback, but you do remember like a dream holiday. It's again, well, the airlines had the great. You know, you could say you were your free points. You had that fantastic weekend break. You shall live in your mind forever. But if you're just a sort of cashback, or we talked about like free airtime, it's kind of nice, but not really that exciting. But if you can have something that sits there, yes. Um, you know, if you go, I don't know, just say if you got. Yeah, a small, you know, a small apple tree, you know, like a, like a bright, you know, and then 20 years later, it's like a massive tree. It's, you know, you, yeah, that, that kind of idea. If you can kind of have that loyalty as a constant reminder of what you actually got out of a program. You know, totally, totally. Money, yeah, you can't yeah. buy that. Well, exactly. Yes. And you're clearly very, you know, fond of that plant, the fact that it has survived in your house yes. for so many it years. It's actually shocking. It's actually massive. <laughs> but, but the, the only one that, that has, you know. <laughs> but but you still have that incredible memory of home base, you know, being loyal and giving you that, you know, burn reward. Um, yeah. As you said, it was probably worth about eight quid. I mean, you, you may or may not have bought something like that. But to have something with that level of longevity, I think is amazing. Um, so well done, home base. We'll give them uh, full yes. marks on that one. Um, and yeah, I, I suppose from my, I suppose, experience with rewards, I used to always focus on what I would call like the, you know, the ones that couldn't fail. So to me, it was coffee and chocolate. So <laughs> when, whenever we had budget, I would go out and negotiate, you know, bulk purchase discounts with, you know, whatever the, the nationwide coffee chain was and uh, set up whatever kind of, you know, single yeah. use codes, for example, and send all our members off and just say, look, go and have a coffee on us. So I think that's a similar thing yeah. where, you know, we can all buy ourselves a cup of coffee, but actually when it's gifted to you, that yes. suddenly, yeah. and I can tell you, Ralph, and I'm sure you've seen it as well. And I'm sure, you know, all of your clients have seen it as you educate the members about how easy it is to get a reward like that. To your point earlier about, you know, breakage, you know, being very much a thing of the past and actually prioritizing, letting the member enjoy what they've earned. I think that's a hugely important trend yeah. and continuing to grow. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was things like, you know, yeah, Starbucks do it very well. It's kind of like surprise and delight. Just give yourself a free bun or something. Again, it costs them. Yeah. But it's, it was a, it's a nice sort of, oh, that's kind of like, you know, it's a thought that counts, I think, is the exactly. is the point. And also, the idea, I mean, there used to be a kind of like idea that if redeemed, then people would like, would drop out of a program, you know, yeah. zone of defection because they didn't have any um, points in there. But I don't know I mean, if you discovered it, found that, but we always found that when, well, after people were redeemed, they were more loyal and much more excited, more wanted to get back on there. So as soon as you can get somebody to get something out of a program, even if it's a, you know, money off a pizza or something or two for one is you get that in there in the next in the first like 100 days yeah. you got them you know got them for for life rather than you know eventually people forget they're a member of a program and what the points are for and yeah what we're, we're trying to get 
Totally, totally. No, you're right, Ralph. I have only seen um, more loyal behavior post-redemption. And I do remember, for example, looking at a, a, a website for one of the big global convenience retailers, for example. And in the franchise section, I was doing a bit of research and they were literally saying that their rewards program, as soon as there was a redemption, the, the next basket spend went up on average yeah. 33%, which I know, you know, convenience retail, yeah. the spend is probably slightly smaller than obviously a grocery retailer but the fact that they had measured that and proved that the value of the basket immediately went up yeah. because I think you've closed the loop you've created trust so I just think it's extremely important yeah because I think even to that point it's a bit like when you give away free you know join a program and you get a thousand points or a hundred points or ten points nobody really knows what they are totally until it, you need to really find out <laughs> what's going on I mean one thing we're doing quite uh, trying to experiment with quite a lot is using a more behavioral economics and the idea like fear of missing out and if you can make people feel as if they own something so one of the areas for example is asking people what war their aim say telecom program whatever what reward are you looking for you know what particular piece of merchandise or whatever and then kind of say you know that reward will be yours and current spend within 12 months yeah so that give people the idea that they've already got it okay and then you can like give them opportunities to say well if you bought this or did that that kind of you can have that in eight months or if you did that in six months and then also as a you know take it away fear of missing out it's kind of like oh you've stopped spending so it's now going to be 18 months or something but yeah <laughs> so like the carrot and a stick but make the program more than you have a half thousand but say you're halfway there to that weekend break or that yes. fantastic you know and i'm toaster i'm just whatever your whatever your heart's desire is but to make that thing yours you've got it then it's going to be you know you'll have that for your holiday you know your totally. new camera will be there for this summer but and it's yours. And then, but if you take it away, then yeah. people feel, you know, that's, so using those kind of like trev clever approaches to get people more engaged and feeling as if they're, they're they, as you say, they they actually own it already. Um, and they, yes. you know, rather than randomly, oh, I've got a hundred, you know, it's always a bit tragic when I overhear people saying, you know, oh yeah, I'm a member of the blah, blah program. I've got a million points, but I don't know what to do with them. You know, it makes me it's kind of, you just <laughs> think the poor money that's been wasted on that, you know. For sure. Um, yeah. That, I, and it hasn't changed their behavior and I don't know what it's for, but I mean, that's kind of terrible. Um, it's it quite shocking and disappointing yes. and definitely happens. And as the loyalty industry gets more competitive, Ralph, it's there's no doubt that, you know, the, the, the number of programs we join obviously continues to increase. The number of programs we engage with continues to decrease. So I think there's yeah, um, yeah. an ever-widening gap. Yeah. In some ways, the way programs are much more easy to join these days i mean you kind of go to a yeah. um a shop and people say can i have your mobile number yeah okay and then suddenly you remember a program and which is easy it's great because that was always a problem we had to fill in a form and wait for it to come to the post or whatever but if you don't actually know what that program's about and then <laughs> now you remember yeah, yes. so it's, it's, it's very you know, it's subtle. So make it easy, but make them at least know what's going on. You know, like so you join yeah. a program, but you know, your chance to win or something like this or get freebie if you just read this thing or do this little game or give us a little piece of information just so you're yeah. aware of what's kind of going on. It's a kind of that that the whole communication of what the benefits of a program are and that first hundred days or say, I think that's a you know, totally. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. So it's just, you know, you might have some fantastic tech and have a really generous program, which maybe is like, you know, 5% yeah. or something. But unless the, pro the the member knows why they remember when they get out of it, it's all you know, unfortunately wasted. 
Well, for sure. Yeah. And I've often said before on this show as well, Ralph, that unless your members are actively telling each other about your program, then actually it's probably going to be unsustainable because I don't know about you, but in my career, you know, advertising is just so expensive that unless your members are doing the word of mouth piece for you, it's just, it's just extremely difficult. Like, and, and, you know, the likes of Seth Godin and other kind of marketing thought leaders would say the same. Like if you're, if you're launching something, you do need to do the customer research and actually go and see do they like it enough to tell a couple of people about it? Because if they don't, I just think it's it's just extremely yeah. difficult. Yes. Which again, going back, we're saying earlier on about the community idea. It's like, yes, yeah. yeah. I did this thing. They, oh, what do you hear about this? Well, I was a member of this program and I found out about this. You yeah. know, uh, and they join it that way because it makes a bit more around saying, you know, oh, I got you know five points because I bought X, Y, Z. So I think, uh, you know, or I did this fantastic game or this is really fun, you know, that all that. So people start talking a, a little bit more about the program as uh, we're connected to the brand um, is a very yes. great idea. Hence hence the whole, you know, join the, pro, like um, you know, I mentioned Kallag's before, like, you know, if you get somebody else to join the program and they spend, that's a token. You know, if you get, you Amazing. Know, if you get that kind yeah. of idea. So get another, because once you've got customers to join, and then you, you know, you can monetize that idea, monetize that quite quickly, because then you've got the first party data. Then you can communicate direct, yeah. And getting another member, ad, and then you can move towards, you know, advocacy and you know, brand of ambassadors. Course. Yes, yes, advocacy is a good word. I was thinking bragging rights, which I think is the same thing. Yeah. But absolutely, I think as humans, actually, first of all, we want other people to get benefits. If we thought it was amazing, we definitely, genuinely want other people to enjoy. So I think there's a human instinct to share good news or good ideas or fun stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be like an actual reward. It can just be fun. So, um, yeah, I think yeah. the more focus we can put on word of mouth, um, and I do remember actually just another example. It was Tony Shea, um, the CEO of Zappos, who unfortunately passed away very young, but um, a brilliant leader by all accounts and Zappos, you know, an incredible business. But he used to say that actually, you know, you know, your acquisition cost was like a tax you had to pay if you weren't getting enough advocacy or referrals, that actually the business should be self-sustaining to your point, Ralph, about community, you know, people should be excited enough about it to tell each other. Um, so that was one very successful, again, as I said, a wonderful guy, uh, really was a big yeah. fan of his. But yeah, amazing the way loyalty is evolving over the years, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole like, yeah, you could talk about, you know, refer a friend and you get some kind of points, but now it's, you know, more yeah. sophisticated. You get back to the, the beauty brands. It's kind of like it's one of the gamification things is asking questions, which basically run, cut long story short, ends up where maybe somebody has got an, uh, an issue. Uh, have you got, it's all like, have you got a friend? So it's not something for you. But, okay. You know, da, 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 yes. da, da, da. you know somebody? And then it's kind of like, oh, you could maybe tell them about this kind of product or introduce them and we'll yeah. send them a free, send them a free sample, which nice. is around yeah really clever nice way of getting them because you wouldn't say yeah i've got i don't need that what do i want that for but if you kind of put it in a very clever way and the people think well, i'm earning a few points i'm been engaging and i'm also helping somebody and yes. it's not cost them anything it's like a really nice gift i've got your gift for the yeah, yeah well you know you can fill yeah. it. it's a very nice i like word. that Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Somebody's got, I don't know what, yeah, some skincare issue or whatever, and you know about it, they're upset about it, and you see something that could help them. Of course, you'd love to send them a self. It's super, super nice. 
Well, my goodness, so th- so many things going on. I think um, we talked about FMCG, Ralph, and you know the Kellogg's Family Rewards, really exciting. And please, God, we'll get them on the show at some point. I know they are a client of Epsilon, as are Walgreens. So you guys are doing some incredibly exciting work and really big projects. So what else would you say, uh, you know, what you're working on, you know, in terms of, you know, across the EMEA region, what other kind of sectors of opportunity or trends are you seeing? Uh, Right. Yeah. So um, the whole, you know, post-COVID getting people back onto planes Ah. is an interesting (laughs) area. I mean, a lot of things we, and there's, you know, Heathrow Rewards has been around for a while and Shanghai and Singapore do very good, you know, programs with airports, but. I've found, yeah, we're finding a lot more sort of interest in that kind of area, not just in Europe, but also in Asia Pacific. As to getting people because, yeah, the new emphasis because business travelers aren't coming back. So we're then kind of like, I've got to focus more on the the frequent leisure travelers who have a different. Talking about airport loyalty, it's quite interesting. You're like, because it's like we're in a shopping mall where most of your most of your footfall doesn't ever go into a shop, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and the frequent travellers, I'm sure you're, you're the same when you were tra- yeah, when you travel a lot. You kind of like time it down so you rush from the gate. You know, you can basically get there in. But if you, so a lot of people who haven't been travelling a lot and they haven't really and they've lost the interest and they they maybe even buying online even more now so going to a shop is quite unusual for them full stop so to get them to kind of think think airport think shopping or think airport and relax and get there early and kind of like you know have something to eat and enjoy yourself there um is a is a new thing um which people are like talking a lot more because your your frequent leisure traveler is more likely to have more dwell time and not quite as rushed through whatever so they've got more opportunities to buy things so and they'll try and make the experience a little bit more exciting i mentioned it's like gamification if you remember the program you know there's the um you know the check-in slow through security etc whatever so you ping out a game immediately using apps and the locational dividers so do this kind of game keep them entertained and then the prior is like some money awful freebies on the other side so nice. do it instantly yeah. um <clears throat> throw in the privileges you know um of uh fast like you know passport control or fast through security which is a bit the airline i mean funny etihad back in the day because you can check in quickly you can get on the plane quickly but it's that middle bit which is kind of quite problematic sure um so kind of keep people engaged on the program and that you know so don't don't if you go on a holiday don't shop in the your local shop or amazon whatever do something at the airport and just reminding people that that's that's available so that's a new area and then moving on to sort of the own the destination idea so if you're the airport is the first it's not logical the airport is the first thing you turn up in um when you land anywhere sure so therefore it's your gateway so there's opportunities there to kind of like have privileges or discounts or something from all the immediate at the sites the attractions the hotels etc that kind of stuff so so that's a kind of interesting area i think uh, you know airports are kind of looking again because i think you know necessity is the mother of invention when something you know something breaks like covid whatever then you kind of do something different i think airlines are looking that um more as well in terms of you know what to do for leisure what can we do for the leisure traveler um yeah yeah which you didn't bother to do quite so, so much um, mm. before. So I think, yeah, so that that's that's an interesting area which we're um, looking at. Another one is the um, fuel. Again, it's all kind of like um, about changing the things that are happening. So fuel, why, if, if people are increasingly getting electric cars, why, what do we, what's the forecourt all about? How do we, yeah. do, we got fast charging, people are going to be there for 15 minutes. What can we do with a loyalty thing to make that 15 minutes more valuable? How can we kind of get people to look at 
you know, yes, four courts are kind of um, differently. That's another quite an exciting sort of area. And um, yes, yeah, so, and that, the overall, I mean, a lot of companies just looking more at first party data, the end of cookies, how are we going to, you know, direct relationship, you know, which is funnily enough, almost like going full circle because I think as we mentioned the other day, I mean, the original idea, frequent flyer programs started because the travel agent owned the the customers. customer. So it's a, you know, yes. it's a value exchange, which Epsilon is very strong. And the value exchange is, you know, you raise your hand and tell me about you and what you're doing and your spend and we'll give you something in return, be it something free or a special kind of privilege. Yeah. And that, you know, and the same thing with retailers, nobody knew who they their customers were kind of thing. So that was a lot of that really tell loyalty pro, loyalty program started, and now with you know things obviously moved incredibly, and now we've got everybody's buying online, and the everybody's using their cards, so we have lots of data about people. But the end, you know, the end of cookies, etc., and the requirement for first party that has making a lot of brands look again at loyalty and permission based marketing, and okay. the value of exchanges. Why should I tell you anything about me? What's in it for me? Kind of thing. Yeah. You know, um, yeah what do I get kind of idea? And I think that's where there's a lot of problems. So people are looking, so rather than necessarily the old, the idea of like, well, I give them points, they'll spend more. It's more about if I give them points, they'll tell me more about themselves and more about their, mm. you know, because it's coming more, it's more going to become more difficult to kind of like track people across, across websites. Most definitely. Yes. So yeah. Very interesting, very exciting time in loyalty in general. Yes. Yeah, so, Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment, Ralph. Yes. Yeah. And I have a feeling we're going to be having conversations like this quite regularly because I can see that you're all super busy engaging with some incredible new clients and stuff. So I'm hoping we can continue, um, you know, having these kind of regular updates, I guess, in terms of, you know, what kind of clients you've signed and what they're doing and why they're doing it, because that's the kind of intellectual piece that I find fascinating. So uh, for brands like Kellogg's to fully realize the potential for full first party data. As I said, I mean, I've seen their previous program and I know how proud they were of it, but I love the direction they're going. And again, being more generous with more behavior change, mm. you know, beyond transaction. I think there is um, a new sense of possibility. And, and it seems like a genuine intention for brands to, to have those real relationships. As you said, it's not just we want the big data and we want to be able to understand it. They actually do want to have those relationships because they know they're pretty much, you know, lost without them, I guess, because that's what I think as human beings, we increasingly want to be connected with the brands that we yeah. are loyal to. And I think we expect more of them as well. So I think they have to show up almost to 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 respond to our expectations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's it, yeah, it's, it, it's a very interesting time, you know, um, yeah, you know, very lucky and privileged to work with a company like Epsilon because I'm you know, overselling here, but great tech and great service. But also, to have some great content through the publicist group and the and also yeah. with the clients we have. Like, well, so we get to have some really interesting conversations. I think that's so about that's a great thing about loyalty is that you know thinking through what the kind of proposition could be, how it could link to the brand, what's that actually going to mean, and yeah. then implementing it. That's a really exciting exciting part of. You know, whoever, yeah. What do we, you know, the the the, the logic of going through like Wal, you know, Walgreens, thinking let's we need to be more wellness community based, or you yeah. know, we need to, uh, or uh, what we mentioned about Kellogg's, and I guess you know we weren't involved, but Procter and Gamble saying it should be all about water. You know, how do we? Uh, and so it's coming together like, yeah. Um, because there's nothing worse. I don't know about you, but you come across a program and it's just the same, and it's not really. And you know, the the the, 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 the brand says, "Oh, it's not really working for us," but it's kind of completely detached from anything they're doing, and it just sits totally. there. It's the same as same as everything. So yes, that's 
there's a lot of yeah, and there's and, and they say there's more, there's many more tools. I mean, I talk about tool scanning, yeah, uh, receipt scanning, but you know, yeah, advanced gamification, communities, etc. All that. There's a lot more things that that loyalty you know, you know practitioners have now to you know, tools to play with. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's almost like the goalposts have changed, and whether it's related to the fact that we all did go through this, I suppose, shock of a pandemic, or you know, whether it's just the the evolution, I suppose, of you know the industry growing up a bit more. I do think there's a lot more ambition on the part of you know people like you, people like me, loyalty managers everywhere. I mean, nobody wants to have a program that doesn't have something that really is compelling. So, I think the ambition is there, the intention is there. So. So love hearing about all these wonderful ideas. Um, so I think that's all the questions from my side, Ralph. Is there anything else that uh, I haven't asked you about that you think is important before we wrap up? Um, no, I think we've covered um, lots of things. Thank, um, thank you for that. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. Wonderful. Okay. Well, with that said, Ralph Browning, Business Development Director for EMEA for Epsilon. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. It's been a pleasure. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 245 executives in 27 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.